Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Mark Fraley Podcast. Today is Friday, September 1st, 2023. After a brutal week of record high temperatures here in Nashville, the weather has finally broken. We're having some nice fall-like mornings with sunny and cool days. Just right to get started with the fall garden. Thanks, as always, to Ron Trammell for our jazzy theme music. A couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure of attending the ribbon-cutting opening of a beautiful new pollinator garden at the Portland Avenue Pocket Park here in in Hillsborough Village area of Nashville. This new garden was a cooperative effort involving the Second Sunday Garden Club, collaborating with the Tennessee Environmental Council and Metro Beautification. A lot of hard work by volunteers to get this project off the ground. If you are in the area, you should check it out. You might just learn something that you can take take home and try in your own yard. We all must do our part to make habitat for the environmentally important pollinator species. At the center of the making of of this happen is the Generate Some Buzz program of the Tennessee Environmental Council. Regular listeners may remember my interview with TEC Executive Director Jeff Berry back in December of 2020, when this program was first launched. The program is sponsored in part by TVA, the Natural Resource Conservation Service of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, that's the NRCS, along with Bridgestone. Generate Some Buzz is now under the able leadership of our guest today, Dr. Monica Pretz, staff biologist for the Tennessee Environmental Council, who I met for the first time at the garden opening. And so I thought my listeners might like to also meet her and to get the details and update on this project. And while we did not talk about it in the interview particularly, listeners should also check out the informative videos that have been posted on the TEC website all about wildflower gardening. And so I hope you will enjoy this interview with Dr. Monica Pretz. And we will get started right after this brief message. Hi, this is Heather Lose, Editor-in-Chief of the Tennessee Conservationist Magazine. Every year, we publish six beautiful issues packed full of timely and informative stories about Tennessee culture, people, and places. You can stay informed about your world and all the great things happening in your Tennessee state parks. It's easy to subscribe. Just go to our website at tnconservationist.org. Thank you. Monica Pretz, welcome to the Mark Fraley Podcast. Thank you for having me here. Well, it's it's a pleasure to have you. Um, I I know we're going to talk today about the Tennessee Environmental Council's project on generating a buzz all about pollinators in Tennessee and and the project that you have going on. in preparation for today, I went back and looked at my archives of, of my show, and I, I, was, I recollected that I interviewed Jeff Barry about this project when it was just getting started back in December of 2020. And so for those of my listeners that are interested in hearing about, more about this, uh, you might go back and listen to that program also. But Monica, you have uh, become a staff member there at the Tennessee Environmental Council 
uh, with responsibility for this program. Is that right? Yes, exactly. So I started to work for Tennessee Environmental Council in uh, last year, in February, uh, first as a volunteer coordinator. And uh, it was very quickly I realized and Jeffrey realized that this was really a perfect project for me. I just love what I do. And there is so much things going on, so much interest in Nashville. And the program is growing rapidly. So I became the, the lead pro, pollinator program leader love that. of Tennessee Environmental Council. Well, that, that's just terrific. And I, I, I want to have my listeners learn a little bit about you. And I guess they can tell by listening that you're not necessarily a native uh, English speaker. So my, my, my listeners always want to hear about the people that are involved in conservation and the environment in Tennessee and a little bit about them personally um, so that they might know what inspired you to, to, um, to be involved in this as a career. Thank you. Thank you for that question. So, yes, indeed, um, I am not from Tennessee, as yeah. it came from my accent. Uh, we moved to Tennessee in 2017, but I was born and raised in Hungary, in uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, I am a biologist. I started first uh, as a biology and PE teacher, um, just right after college, and then I did a master's degree in biology. And um, it was very fascinating. I always loved environmental studies. I, I was always interested in, actually in every single thing related to biology. So very quickly I realized that I don't really want to be a teacher, I'm much more involved. So I did a PhD uh, in, in actually not in Hungary, but at the University of Groningen in the north of Netherlands. And uh, that was a, an interesting thing because initially, I know you, you want to more talk about environmental things and how I got to it. And as a child, of course, I was very intrigued of anything that I could see, I could find, I could touch, I could collect in nature. And I definitely wanted to work more in out in the field as a biologist. I think I have to say I was most inspired in my life by the work of Gerald Durrell who is an English, he was an English gentleman and who is the same generation as uh, David Attenborough. Okay. And they both worked for BBC. Um, but Gerald Darrow was uh, an amazing author, novelist, and uh, he made, wrote uh, stunning books. He created documentaries. I grew up with those documentaries as a child. And most importantly, he created one of the very first zoo that was focused on conservation efforts and breeding endangered species. Now, where was that? So that zoo is still in Jersey Island, in the Channel mm -hmm. Islands between England mm -hmm. and France. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, he died in 1995 when I was still in college. And uh, I was just shocked. And um, my dream was to work with him in his zoo. That was my absolute dream. And when he died, I felt like all of my dream just collapsed on me. But anyway, so I, I knew I, I would never give up biology because it, this is my passion. 
but I turned to a different thing and I started to actually my PhD is on Sophalobus sophatarikus, which is a single cell uh, extreme thermophilic archaea and um, which I fell in love when we were on vacation in Italy with my then boyfriend now husband and he he and I went to an area which is like a mini Yellowstone. It's a, it's a bubbling hot sulfuric mud and that's where Sophalobus sophatarikus, a single cell organism, uh, lives. Survives, Survives. In, in those hard, uh, in that hard uh, environment. Exactly, it's, it's, it's amazing <clears throat> environment of uh, bubbling mud which is pH 2 80 wow. Celsius degree and this is again an, an environmental study but it turned me into much more doing it, uh, my PhD project in molecular microbiology in the Netherlands so that's where I come from that's just amazing now uh, my wife and I visited Saturnia in in Italy where they have the natural hot springs but this is a different place this is close to uh, Napoli, the okay. volcano Vesuvius. Okay, right. And right, but right. it's really small. Not too many people know. So volcano Sofatara. Wow, that's so interesting. Well, what brought you to Tennessee? Um, well, work. My my husband mostly. He he works at Vanderbilt okay. University. Okay. So he is a cardiac anesthesiologist. He got a position at Vanderbilt. Okay. And that's how we came oh, here. Oh, that's just super. Well. You know, the Tennessee Environmental Council has a long history um, uh, back since back in the 70s when, when they, were, they were first started. Uh, Jeffrey Berry has, be, has been the director there for five, six years now and has um, brought an approach that's a little different than, than their historical approach by setting up these various projects that he's that he's got going on and they have a composting project and they have a trees project and and also now the pollinator project what is what is the underlying problem that we have in the environment here in Tennessee that the pollinator project is intended to help solve or help remediate I think this is not a specific problem to Tennessee, but it's a specific okay. problem to everywhere in okay. the world. Okay. I think habitats are declining. Um, we are moving into areas which were natural habitats before. So habitat loss is a number one issue in, in environmental um, problems. And the Generate Some Buzz program creates a solution for that by we can we cannot stop development we definitely have a growing population but we can change how we have these developments we can turn every single front yard and backyard into a habitat instead of planting species from asia or from europe concentrate on our beautiful and diverse uh, species of tennessee plant those here and while definitely some native areas we lose we can restore those habitats within our yards so there has been documentation in science of the loss of pollinators out there in, in the wild oh absolutely well, tell us more about that yeah absolutely i mean one thing is the habitat loss clearly okay. the the second thing that 
is causing the decline in pollinator species unfortunately the toxic chemicals that we are surrounded with so number one is the insecticides and herbicides that we are using uh, in the past it was always the agriculture that we looked at that the agriculture was using way too much herbicides way too much pesticides um, in the last few years or decade, it changed. It's really the residential areas, the, the front yard and backyards, people using chemicals. And sometimes we don't even realize how much we use. Uh, unfortunately, when you look at insecticides, um, they have changed. And right now we are using much more insecticides, which are systemic. So for example, you go to any store where you buy seeds, you open a seed pocket and what you find, the seeds are covered with insecticides. You open the packet and instead of seeing natural seeds, you find little pink beads or blue beads or green beads. That, those are seeds covered with insecticides and you don't even realize it and you happily plant it because you think you plant radishes or or corns or something in your garden a vegetable garden those are systemic insecticides that dissolves in the soil and integrate right into the plant goes into every single part of the plant and um, it will be in the flower in the fruit in the leaf, every part of it. So insects will not eat the leaves because of these insecticides, that, but those enter your bloodstream as well. So unfortunately, insecticides is, is behind the decline of pollinator species. And this is true of, of uh, plant materials or bedding plants, for example, that you might buy at uh, one of the big stores. Um, they use systemic uh, herbis not or some systemic pesticides uh, in in the fertilization program for those plants so that when a bee or something goes into the flower of that plant that, that it might poison the bee yes unfortunately it's really integrated every part of it so um, you know I am from Europe so I always look at things how things are done in Europe where they are leading and there are many chemicals that we still use here in the US that are already banned in the Euro European Union because there is very clear and direct evidence showing that they cause irreversible harm in the environment, they are causing allergies in humans, they are causing cancer in humans, autoimmune diseases, and those chemicals are banned in Europe, but they are still readily and widely available in the US. And unfortunately, we have this in our psychology that if you don't see something, that you kind of feel that it's not there, if, if you don't feel it right away, then it's not happening. But these chemicals can accumulate in our tissue and cause harm in the long term. So tell us what, what, you, what you're doing and what, what is your program? Tell okay, so Generate Some Buzz is the pollinator program of Tennessee Environmental Council. And our mission is helping people and uh, communities improve our environment. And our vision is thriving habitats, circular economy, and climate balance in Tennessee. 
we are focusing on pollinator species, how to restore them, how to bring them back. We create native wildflower habitats across Tennessee. Um, we are focusing on native wildflowers because it is essential for the pollinator species. Native wildflowers and pollinators evolve together and they are relying on each other. It is also called host plant specialization. Many pollen, uh, pollinators really need native plants to complete their life cycles. So the Generate Some Buzz program is here to educate people, to help people, to guide them how to change their front yard and backyard, their little areas raised bed into native wildflower gardens to support pollinators. You know, recently um, you all were involved in a project here close to my home uh, over in the Hillsboro Village area uh, at the Portland the new brand new Portland Pocket Park. Uh, tell us a little bit about that project and w which was done in cooperation with the Second Sunday Garden Club and, and others. Tell us about that. Yes, it was. it is really, I would say, the most ideal situation and a wonderful project that we were involved with, Second Sunday Gardeners. Uh, they reached out to us uh, creating a pollinator garden in this area which was in that time not yet a park it was just a, a little garden area or park like almost, almost a traffic island yes right. exactly like right. a traffic island right. uh, but they have really beautiful big plants how to turn that into a park and a part of that was to create a pollinator garden and so they reached out out to us and together with the Metro Beautification Committee and the Second Sunday Gardeners and Metro and Tennessee Environmental Council, we created, we designed and created a little habitat there. And uh, it is a beautiful park now, which has uh, two of our seed mix was used. The, so we at Tennessee Environmental Council, we have seed mixes available on our website and uh, the Southern uh, conservation mix and also the butterfly and hummingbird mix was used in this okay. garden okay. to support uh, pollinators. And the wonderful, why I said it's an ideal situation is because Second Sunday Gardeners is a group of devoted people, neighbors who go there, who look out for this garden. Um, because while pollinator gardens are low maintenance, because they are, of course, full of native wildflowers, which evolved to be sustainable, be right. to survive the winter or the drought or the harsh hot summers here, we still have to do some maintenance to make sure to remove invasive species. And while most of our garden that we do, we have to do that at Tennessee Environmental Council. With Second Sunday Gardeners, it's fantastic because they are right on it. They are taking care of this garden, um, making sure invasives don't find their way back to this area. And I invite everyone to go out, go and check out Portland Park. It's the, on the corner of 21st Avenue and Portland mm -hmm. Avenue. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful little garden. I'd say that garden is about 60 feet by 20 feet, something like that. 
Yeah, oh, I cannot write now, but yeah. just say what yeah. it, it's a it's about a little more than a thousand square feet. Okay, well there you go. That's a better way of yeah. estimating it, isn't it? And you know, most of the most of the plants that are being utilized are perennial type plants, so that they come up each year uh, without having to be replanted every year. Yes, right. that's that's right. a really good question. Right. So, when we talk about these pollinator gardens, I always like to say that what do you expect from a pollinator garden? It takes about three to five years to really establish a garden. And as you said, it's mostly herbaceous plants, so they return year after year. Um, but we have also some annuals in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to explain how a garden looks is basically when we establish a garden, the first year they will start to germinate and produce leaves. Some of them will produce flowers right away in the first year. Um, and then in the fall, they will start to die back. And we always say leave the garden standing for, throughout the fall and winter time because they are hibernation site for pollinator species. They are nesting habitat for native bees. And also the dead seed heads feeds uh, migrating and overwintering birds. Uh, another important thing to mention is whenever you start a pollinator garden, the best time to start is late fall, early spring because many of the wildflower species, the seeds need cold stratification. So they need to be exposed in the cold outside to have a higher germination rate. That's when you get the best yield, the highest germination, most flowers. And then uh, basically second year, the flowers will start from the roots growing again. And second year, you will have more flowers. Many flowers will produce flowers in in the second year or third year, like cornflower usually don't flower first year, most of the time it's a second year. So the garden will get eventually more divers and mature within year three, four or five. In my experience too, especially observing what was done at at Portland Avenue, um, when you first get it started, not only do the seeds that you have purposefully spread germinate, but also the seeds of of the of the weeds that that were you know occurring there over the years that that place has been there. So you have the crabgrass and some of the other weeds that come up, and that's and at so at the beginning stages of this kind of a garden, it's the uh, the maintenance is a little more difficult than as it goes. Yes, that that is true. So first of all, when we start a pollinator garden, we start with removing the sod. Uh, We take a sod cutter and make sure to remove as much of the grass roots as we can. And then we bring fresh soil from local composting company and spread the seeds. Still, some of the grasses will return. Mm -hmm. And as we are outside in nature, there will be always things like bird droppings or animals bring in, squirrel come in, dig something in. So there are definitely a lot of volunteers, invasives returning. So I would say, yes, the first year might be, and that's where the second Sunday gardeners were amazing because they were right on it, making sure that they have this beautiful garden. But the first year is when we need to give most help to these pollinator gardens 
until you know the the native wildflowers become established we try to reduce competition as much as we can so you um, mentioned your seed mixes tell us about those and where did you where did the environmental council obtain those and what's in them yeah, yeah. our seed mixes contain um, 20 different wildflower species most of the time 16 wildflowers and four native grasses and they are we have three different seed mixes as of now which is the polyconservation pollinator conservation mix the hummingbird and butterfly mix and also the monarch mix we are planning to add more and expand a little bit okay and uh, that is really the plan for this fall and i'm very excited about that new project but basically, so they contain 20 different species and um, each and every seed pocket uh, can ha has enough seeds for 20 square yards, square feet, sorry, okay. 10, 20 square feet of habitat. So that's, that's about a good starting size. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the best time to really start plan, start to plan now in early fall where you want your pollinator garden and order the seeds and the best time to start your garden is october november early mm -hmm. december mm -hmm. and where where did you all obtain those seeds i'm curious the seeds are from round stone native seed mix okay. Uh, okay. we order in bulk in large quantities and we create these uh, little seed pockets for our participants okay so have you had projects all or all across tennessee so most of our projects are focusing in the Nashville area as our office and we all live in the Nashville area. And, uh, but we do have several projects a little bit further out, like in Lebanon. Um, and we are reaching out further and further. We try to be everywhere. I also want to mention that our Generate Some Bus program and the seed buckets are available for everyone and anyone in Tennessee. So mm -hmm. we are really engaging with communities all over Tennessee to start their own pollinator gardens in their own front yard and backyard. And how would listeners or people that are interested um, contact you and and make arrangements to get to get those materials i think the best thing is to do is just to go to our website mm -hmm. to tennessee environmental council which is tectn.org slash generate some buzz and um, check out the website go through there is a lot of super information over there and check out the website order seeds we have the new absolutely beautiful yard signs coming up that you can also order for your front yard to educate your neighbors your friends the neighborhood i think with pollinator gardens it is really becoming essential to have these yard signs i myself live in an HOA and I myself got okay. a letter from my HOA last year. Okay, so this is a situation where a homeowners association might have rules about how short the grass has to be cut and, and how the landscape needs to be maintained. Exactly. And, exactly. A, and a pollinator garden doesn't necessarily easy, easily fit in that, in that, uh, in that program. 
Yes, unfortunately, many HOAs has the regulation of just having grass on the front yard or at least close to the walkways or maybe short plants, not taller than one foot. Uh, many doesn't have such regulation, but still try to, it's not written in the regulation, but still try to act on it. And I think that was the case for my neighborhood association as well. Last year, I got a letter um, asking me to clear up my front yard around the mailbox. And uh, this year I had a sign out educating uh, my neighborhood, my neighbors. And uh, of course I make sure that I apply uh, to the regulations that my plants are not growing super tall in the front. But I think it's also important to to be kind and educate people what you are doing and what do they ex what can they expect from a pollinator garden right well even even uh, city governments have regulations about how uh, properties must be maintained exactly. Uh, exactly and but it's a different thing to purposefully grow a pollinator garden than to just let your your yard grow wild those are different things <laughs> yes definitely of yeah. course yeah. of course because if you were if you were to just let your yard go grow wild here in Middle Tennessee today, more than likely what would come up and what would grow would be invasive exotic plants. Yeah, absolutely. Mostly invasives would very quickly find their ways, and right. those regulations has to be there. Right. But of course, we have to find a balance <clears throat> in between regulations and diversity and ecosystems. Right. So is there any cost to the public for, for these seeds, for these seed packages? Our, our seed packets are donation-based, so we always ask people to donate mm -hmm. and we suggest a donation amount. Okay. Are there sponsors of this program that we should talk about and acknowledge? Oh, definitely. NRCS is one of our major sponsors. Say, okay, say who that is. NICS. NRCS. National resource conservation service probably okay all right and then I'll the try to, TVA, I'll try to research the TVA okay is definitely we have one of our major project is at Shefford Stam High School in East Nashville and TVA was the main supporter of that because we started to build our pollinator gardens under the TVA lines okay. under the power lines so um, and it's been an absolute success because we have 19 gardens just at Stratford Stem High School. And it's become really a beautiful project because there the students can go out and have an outside ecology lab and or they can have an art class enjoying these gardens. And many of the students have never been exposed to native wildflowers, pollinator species. And sometimes we work out there and we just see the students coming out and uh, making selfies with all the wildflowers. So they not just enjoy as an educational opportunity, but they on a personal level relate to these gardens. Fantastic. And this is Stratford High School? Stratford okay. Stam High School in okay. East Nashville. At East Nashville. So I invite everyone, if you have a time, to go out there, check out the gardens throughout the whole year. It really starts to flower usually in May, 
and the flowers are out there all the way to end of October. Okay, so we were talking about sponsors that you have. Are there others we should mention that that we have left out now? So I would I would say that one of the main way to we maintain these gardens, we establish these gardens is reaching out to corporations okay. and they send their volunteers. We had amazing project come uh, HDR, HCA, Tractor Supply, Amazon, Dell, UBS, coming to, for example, to Stratford Stam and establishing gardens and <coughs> sending their volunteers, amazing, enthusiastic volunteers. And this is one thing that I really want to mention, that I have been traveling the world, lived a lot of places. I have never, ever in my life experienced volunteerism the way it works in Tennessee. It's absolutely beautiful. It's, it's fantastic to see people caring so much and willing to work hard for their own community. It's, it's fantastic. Well, this is the kind of thing that stri- strikes me would be an ideal project for any community organization, whether it would be the Rotary Club or the Kiwanis or the 4-H Club or whatever organization or a church group. Uh, these would be ideal projects for those. Yes, and and, uh, we are definitely reaching out to churches. Uh, Aldersgate, also in East Nashville, they created a pollinator garden. I'm working with the Hope Church on Galantine Avenue to create pollinator gardens, public schools, parks, perfect for such an event. And we are really hoping that more and more clubs like gardening clubs will show interest or communities will show interest, not just creating, but really enjoying, engaging with the environment, with wildflowers and pollinator species. In the places where you have created these gardens, do you notice an increase in the pollinators species that you observe? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Just imagine that Strefferstam High School has about maybe a little more than two acres, which was just grass. And that grass, that lawn is an ecological desert, so there were no pollinators anywhere. Now we have 19 gardens and we have seen so many native bees and butterflies and moss species, monarch butterflies already found our gardens and laid their eggs and we, we see we saw their caterpillars munching on the milkweed that we planted. We I found the uh, American bumblebee, Bombus pennsylvanicus in the garden, which is a threatened species. So definitely these there is an so many more uh, and not just pollinators birds bluebirds are just loving whenever we start a new garden they are right there watching us all the time they find migrating birds overwintering birds uh, lizards find habitat in these gardens so it's it's really a complete little ecosystem every garden creates well you had a little tour of my garden in my backyard uh, before we started this interview and uh, i have to say that we observe um, more birds than we do butterflies. We, st- we do see the butterflies and the, and the bees, um, but uh, this time of year we see the, the, um, uh, the goldfinch and those sorts of birds and the hummingbirds uh, making use of our garden. 
Yeah, well, it is. It's very interesting to see how an ecosystem changes in different seasons. Um, birds are definitely here and they feed their babies with caterpillars. So they are creating the balance in your garden. Um, one example that I like to tell that uh, I have also a little um, vegetable patch in my garden, just a tiny one. And I, every spring I put um, kales. I love kales. And it's basically early spring, I can eat my kales and maybe until May and then the caterpillars take it over. Mm-hmm. But this year I put a birdhouse next to it and the wren moved in. I had kale all summer. Because they took care of the the caterpillars. They feed their babies with. So it's really interesting to see how everything finds their habitat in in a small area with native plants or just plants. Well, Monica, it's been a joy to speak with you today. Um, I want to remind everybody again to, if you're interested in in this project, contact the Tennessee Environmental Council. Um, and at their website, and then you can get in touch with Monica. So again, the website is tectn.org, and thank you so much for having me. Been a joy to speak with you. Thank you.